Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So right now we are continuing the series that we started. This is week seven of our series called Questions Jesus Asked. And the series is all about Uh, Jesus engaging his audience, engaging his followers, and asking questions that would lead them to a specific place. And he wasn't asking the questions because he didn't know what the answers were. He was asking the question to help us discover what he wanted us to discover. And so we've been walking through the series together, talking about these questions, and I hope it's been helpful for you. Um, If if you're watching this, wherever you're watching this from, I would encourage you, if there's been a a series or a week from this series that's been helpful for you, uh, make a note of it in the comments. Let us know which weekend has been really helpful for you. And if there's one that stood out to you, I would encourage you share that week on the archive with somebody in your social network. Let them know that, that it's been good for you, that helpful for you and pass it along. So uh, maybe it was the weekend we talked about, why are you so afraid? Uh, that's especially appropriate today. Do, do you believe? Um, there's been several that I feel like might be helpful during the season, but we're going to continue that the series right now. And we're going to start in Mark chapter eight, verse verse one, and this is what it says. Uh, I'm sorry, we're not going to start in verse one. We're going to start in verse 11. In verse one through 10, Jesus is feeding the 4,000. He feeds them and then he moves on and he's having this conversation with some Pharisees in verse 11. In verse 11 of Mark chapter eight, it says this, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, with Jesus, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into a boat again and went to the other side. So these Pharisees come to Jesus and they're basically testing who he says he is. Now, if you really are who you say you are and they're questioning his authority, they're questioning his identity and they're saying to him, we wanna see a sign, show us. If you really are who you say you are, show us. And this sounds familiar, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but we're guilty of doing the same thing many times. God, if you're really God, rescue me. If you're really God, drop a check in the mail for me. If you're really God, whatever it might be. And they're testing Jesus, and Jesus, I love how he responds. He, he says he sighs in his spirit. I can imagine him just going, oh, you guys don't get it, do you? All right, I'm going. And he gets in the boat, and he goes with his disciples to the other side. Now it says in verse 14, now they had forgotten to bring bread on the boat with them and had only one loaf of uh, loaf with them in the boat. So they were in the boat. They only brought one loaf of bread and they're in and they're going, oh my gosh, we forgot the bread. And Jesus capitalizes on this moment to teach them. And he says in verse 15, and he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, this doesn't mean a lot to us today, but what Jesus is saying is, hey, um, the, the leaven, what, what brings a rise to the bread, you know, you're talking about bread, guys, let me engage you in bread. And he says, hey, you know what makes bread rise is the yeast. It brings the, the leaven is what makes it bigger, makes it expand. And only a little bit of yeast is required to, to, to make the, the bread expand and rise and become even bigger. And what he's saying is, hey, the yeast is important. A little bit of yeast goes a long way. And this is the thing, guys, he's trying to tell them. He says, a little bit of the spirit of the Pharisees or the spirit of the Herodians uh, was a group of, of individuals. And both these groups, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, were, were looking for their own benefit. 
Uh, they both had selfish motivation when pursuing different things. Uh, the, for the Pharisees, they were selfishly motivated by their own righteousness. They felt like they were righteous because they kept the law, and that made them better than everyone else. So they were threatened by Jesus, and that's why they were looking for signs. Um, the Herodians, they were selfishly motivated. They had businesses and things like that. And so Jesus said, hey, these people, they, they've got the wrong heart, the wrong spirit. Don't let your motivation be like their motivation. What he's saying is, don't even let a little bit of who they are get into you because if, if it does, it's going to ruin you. It's going to mess you up. And so Jesus takes this moment to share with his followers something really important. And he capitalizes on this, in this conversation about bread to, to bring home a spiritual point. And, and, and you've probably had this conversation, if you're a parent, you've had these conversations with your kid where you have a teachable moment with your child and then the child says something that it's clear that they were not paying attention to what you just said. And this is what happens in scripture. Um, verse 16, so Jesus is having this moment, this teachable moment with them. In verse 16, it says, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. So in this moment, Jesus is sharing his heart. He's trying to help them understand who they should be. And they get distracted because they're hungry. Apparently they are all on keto and they want bread, right? They're hungry. Like, man, we want bread. Jesus is talking about bread. We want bread. And they're having this moment and and honestly, Jesus gets a little frustrated with them. And this is reminiscent of, um, we talked a few weeks ago about um, some of the, the teachings of Jesus that might've been a little offensive uh, when in the, the weekend we talked about, are you going to leave as well? And we talked in, um, in John chapter six, there's this passage where he feeds the 5,000 and then the people that he fed, that's all they're looking for. They're just looking for more bread. So they follow him, but they don't care about who he is. They don't care about what he's about. They care about what he can give them. And even in that moment, he talks about, I am the bread of life. And they go, oh yeah, bread. We want more bread. Where do you have that bread of life? We want it. He's like, no, 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 no. I am the bread of life. And they totally miss it. And so even in this moment with his own followers, his own disciples, they're, they're sidetracked by their own physical desires. Man, we want bread. We're hungry. And not to discount our physical needs. Our physical needs are important. But what Jesus is trying to help them understand is there's something bigger going on. So this is what he says in verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, he's aware that they're talking about their lack of bread, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Verse, uh, the next part says, do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? What we see here is Jesus is basically asking the question, do you still not see or understand? Do you, do you not see what's really going on here? And, and he's, you can sense a little bit of frustration with him because it's one thing for the Pharisees to, to look for a sign. It's one thing for the Pharisees to be short-sighted, but these are men that had been traveling with him. These are men that had spent their, their days and their weeks and their months with him. They had been with him intimately. They'd seen behind the scenes, all these things. And he asked them this question, do you still not see or understand? Do, do you not see what's going on? There's something bigger happening here than what your physical need is right in front of you. Do you not perceive that? Do you not understand that? And what we see is, there's two things that Jesus kind of takes issue with here. And the first is this, that we fail to understand the identity and purpose of Jesus. That we fail to recognize who he really is and what he really wants to do in this world. Now, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk more about the identity of Jesus. We're gonna answer the question, who do you say that I am? So we're gonna talk about that in a few weeks. But, but 
when it comes to the purpose of Jesus, so many of us today, we struggle with what is the purpose of Jesus? What is he really all about? And it's okay because his own disciples struggled with this as well. Because there were moments that they thought his purpose is to give us bread. His purpose is to take care of us. His purpose is to overthrow the Romans. But that is not what Jesus was about. Um, there's a passage in Romans chapter 14. And in Romans chapter 14, we see this, this conversation going on between Paul and other believers. And Paul is trying to help sort some things out because there's conflict in the church over uh, what day of the week would be Sabbath. Would it be Saturday or Sunday? Or when would they celebrate that? Um, over what foods they could eat, over what drinks they could drink, and what was holy, what was not holy, what was forbidden and not forbidden. And Paul basically says, you're all acting like children. You're missing the point. And if you want to read it, it's, it's Romans chapter 14, it's fantastic. Uh, but all throughout Romans 14, he's basically saying, it doesn't matter. If it's sinful to someone else, don't do it because it's going to offend them. And it's more important to have unity in the body than it is to exercise, exercise your Christian liberty. So what he's saying basically is you lay down your Christian liberty for the good of the body of Christ. So whatever it is you feel like you're supposed to do or not do, if it's not explicitly in scripture, then it's a gray area. And we go, you know what? We're gonna to default to wisdom. We're gonna to default to uh, making sure that our brothers and sisters aren't offended. And so that's what Paul's talking about because what he's saying is, hey, there's some things that are more important than my preferences. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what he's saying is there's something way more important than what you have the right to eat. Should you eat pork or not eat pork? Uh, should you eat food that were offered to idols or not. Um, what is important? And what he's saying is there are things that are way more important than that, and that's the kingdom of God. You're, you're worried about this stuff, but at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with eternal consequences. And for us, it's so easy for us to worry about stuff that doesn't matter. It's so easy for us to get focused on things that ultimately don't have eternal consequences. And we miss what God is really trying to do. We miss what's really important to Christ. Even in church, I know some of you, if you could be in church today, physically in church, you would never complain about the music again. At least you think you wouldn't until you've been here a while. Then you would complain about the music again. Or you wouldn't complain about how, how loud it is or the, the air conditioning or whatever it is. Whatever your normal complaint might have been about church, you wouldn't do it at first. But eventually you'd get back into it because we miss it right now. But the truth is, uh, it's so easy for us to get focused on things that don't really matter that much. Um, it, it cannot be... Church and the kingdom of God cannot be about our preferences. It has to be about God's purposes and plans for planet earth. And anytime it shifts from God's purposes and plans to my preferences, we're in trouble. It's going to hurt the body of Christ. It's going to hurt my walk with Christ. Because the truth is it's easy for it to happen. It's easy to go to a worship service or it's easy to, to sit in your living room and watch a service online and see the, the worship and hear the music and not engage our hearts because we go, well, the style's not like I want or they didn't sing the song I like or they, they did it in a different way than I like. And because of that, we, we disengage our hearts from worship because of a preference. We're ultimately not doing what God has invited us to do because it's not quite what we want. What we see is we decide how good worship is based on how we feel about a song, based on the style. Um, all these things influence whether we feel like it was a good experience or not. 
Uh, we measure the value of a sermon based on how funny it was or how much we laugh or how we feel when we walk out, but we don't measure it based on how does this impact me or what is the spirit trying to say to me to change my life and make me different? So we're measuring church in the wrong way. And I would say this as well, even our prayer life. So many times our prayer life, it, it turns into a wish list that we would send Santa Claus. It, it's about, here's what I need, here's what I want. If you'll give me these things, then I will be a good Christian. Um, but what we don't pray many times is, God, what is your will for my life? God, what do you want me to do? God, what should I lay down? God, is there anything that's in my heart that's not pleasing to you? God, if there is, take it out. We don't pray prayers like that because those are uncomfortable. Those are difficult. Those are challenging. Well, let me ask you a question. If you took every prayer that you've prayed over the last week and God answered every one of those prayers today, how would that change the world for the better? How would God's kingdom expand if he answered every one of your prayers the exact way you prayed it? My fear for many of us is that it wouldn't change the world at all. It might make my life a little better. It might make me more comfortable. It might make me a little happier, but it's not going to expand the kingdom of God. It's not going to make people's social conditions better. It's not going to transform our communities. What it's gonna do is make me happy, make me comfortable, make me healthy, whatever it might be. And all those things are fine, but those should be secondary to the purposes and plans of God in our lives. So what happens is we find ourselves going to Jesus saying, oh, you got bread? We want bread. And in the meantime, Jesus is saying, don't you see or understand? There's something more important than bread. There's something so much more important than you just getting what you need or what you want. If you'd simply understand that, things would change. So I want to challenge you in that. Think about, what have I been praying about? How is my attitude toward church, toward worship? Not just corporate worship as we worship together online, but, but even worship for myself. What does that look like in this meantime, in this holding pattern, in this waiting room season we're in? What does that look like for me? What kind of fruit is being born in my life, if any at all? That's what I want you to be asking yourself through this. Because when you look at Christ and what he's about, what he came for, what he, he lived and died for, what happens for us so many times is we try to make God into our image instead of saying, God, how can I be shaped into your image? God, how can my heart be changed to, to look more like you? We try to change God and dumb God down to look more like us because it's more comfortable. But I want you to know something. Jesus Christ, he didn't come to earth. He didn't sacrifice heaven and come to earth, live a perfect, flawless life, die on the cross, be buried, rose on the third day. He didn't do all that so that we could simply be more comfortable, so we could simply be happier. And in fact, what we see in scripture is he didn't die just to make us happy or just to make us comfortable. He gave his life so we can be reconciled to God, so we could be used for God's purposes and plans. That's ultimately what God wants for us. See, we see the purpose of Jesus is spelled out in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19, he has this experience with this man named Zacchaeus, who was a, a tax collector, and he was a, a scourge of Jewish society. People didn't like him. And, and Jesus has an interaction with Zacchaeus one day that changes Zacchaeus' life, changes him radically. And after this has happened, after he's encountered Jesus and his life is radically changed, everything he does from that day forward is different Jesus makes this statement in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He says this, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is a great mission statement for who Jesus is and why he's here, why he came. It's to seek 
and save the lost. So what happens is we get so focused on bread. Yeah, hey, give me bread, give me bread. I want some bread. And what happens is a little bit of that, that yeast of the Pharisees gets into our heart that it's about us. It's not about God. It's not about his purposes. It's not about his kingdom. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You, you've got to avoid that. That's not right. Haven't you been with me long enough that you've seen who I am and seen what I'm doing? Don't, don't you see or understand by now? So I want to challenge you in that because that's who Jesus is. He came to seek and save the lost. In fact, we see in Matthew chapter 18, one of my favorite passages is, is this story that Jesus tells about this man who has sheep, his shepherd, and 99 of the sheep are fine, but one has strayed, one has gone away. And, and Jesus says, hey, what good shepherd wouldn't leave the 99 to go find the one? See, our savior, Jesus, is the one who will leave the 99 to go find the one. That's who he is. He is about the lost. And if our heart's not for the lost, then we've got a question, where are we at? What's really going on? Do we, do we see and understand who Jesus really is? Because that is who he is. So that's the first thing. The second thing we see is this. We quickly forget all that Jesus has done. Um, what we see in Mark 8, 17 and 18, let me just read this to you again. It says, and Jesus was aware of this. He was aware that they were talking about the bread. And he says, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? And then he says, are your hearts hardened? This can be a reason why we don't see and perceive or see and understand. It's because our hearts are hardened before him. And then he goes on to say, having eyes, do you not see? So he says, you got eyeballs, don't you? That's how maybe my my dad would have said it or my granny would have said it. Hey, you got eyeballs. Why aren't you using them? And he says, you have ears. Having ears, do you not hear? You got ears. Why aren't you using them? You, you've seen, you've heard what I've done. And then he says, do you not remember? Hey, you've seen what I've done. You've, you've heard me talking. How do you not remember anything we've talked about? And this might seem a little bit harsh at first, but I want to remind you of this. Um, at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, Jesus had, had fed the 4,000. Um, it was similar to what he did in Mark chapter 6 when he fed the 5,000. Similar story, but two different stories. And so he asked this question, do you not remember? And then he goes into verse 19. It says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many full baskets of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. Verse 20 says, and the seven for the 4,000, this is just earlier in chapter eight, just a little bit before this. The seven for 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? <laughs> I can imagine this is a little bit like when you scold your children or maybe if you've got a, an animal and you, you get onto your animal and the animal kind of tucks their tails or you get onto your kids, hey, who spilled this? Or hey, whose night was it to do dishes? And they kind of go, um, and they kick the dirt and like, I'm not sure, I'm sorry. And, and when Jesus says, hey, how many baskets were there when we fed the 5,000? I can imagine the disciples going, 12. That's right, there were 12. And how many baskets were there just now, just earlier, when we fed the 4,000? Seven. It's almost like they're being rebuked in this moment. And they weren't being punished, they were being corrected. He's trying to help them remember what he had done. Mark chapter 6, he had fed 5,000. Mark chapter 8, he feeds the 4,000. He's saying, you're worried about bread. I'm gonna be able to give you the bread, but guess what? There's more that I'm trying to do. And that's why he, he followed up in verse 21 with that same question where he says, do you not yet understand? Do you not see there's something bigger than just your physical need being met? There's more to it than that. 
You've forgotten what I've done. You've forgotten what I've brought you through. You've forgotten where you've been. And I haven't failed you. I haven't forgotten you. I haven't, I haven't left you. I've rescued you. I've provided for you. I've taken care of you. In fact, in verse 4 of Mark chapter 8, they ask the question. The disciples who were with Jesus, they were there in chapter 6 for the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus has, a, has this group of people he's teaching in the wilderness. And in Mark 8, 4, it says his disciples answered him. He said, hey, we're going to feed these people. And they said, how can one feed these people with bread here in a desolate place? They've forgotten that it was the same situation in Mark chapter 6. That he, he'd done it before and he can do it again. And I would love to say that the disciples are the ones who do that. But we do the same thing. It's so easy for us to get into a situation, get into a crisis, get into a bind, and we go, God, are you even gonna be able to help me through this? God, do you even see what I'm going through? God, do you even care? God, are you sure? God, can you? And I feel like in some ways, God rebukes us gently so he can correct us and, sa and says, do, do you not remember? Do you not remember how I've taken care of you before? Do you not remember how I've provided for you before? Do you not remember how I've rescued you before? You think this is new, but it's not. I can take care of you just like I have in the past. Do you not remember? So my challenge to you today is quite simple. Do you not see or understand? Do you not see or understand who God is and what he's doing? Are you so focused on your immediate need that maybe you've forgotten that God has brought you through before? That you failed to understand that there's something bigger going on than just your immediate situation? There are people that are suffering and dying all over the world today, and yet we get so focused on our bread. We get so focused on our circumstance. We get so focused on what we need. And I want to challenge you today to, to look up, look around you to the needs around you. Look at the people around you that might be dealing with things that maybe are in worse situations than you are, and ask God, God, how can you use me to meet their needs? God, help me understand what you're really doing in this world. Yes, God, I need, to, I need to have my daily needs met. But God, I know you've done it before. You're going to do it again. So I'm not going to worry about my day-to-day. -day, but God, I, I want to be concerned about the things you're concerned about. I want to be concerned about your kingdom. So God, help me to prioritize my life. Help me to order my affections well. And when we do that, it's amazing how God will begin to work, how God will begin to use you for kingdom purposes. He'll begin to open your eyes to the needs around you so that you can meet those needs in a way that brings him glory. Maybe you're watching this right now and, and you know that your heart is not with Christ. You're not walking with God. You've never made him Lord of your life. I, I just wanna encourage you. There's no condemnation. Uh, our God is a good father. He loves you and he can't wait for you to come home. Some of you can't see your parents right now because of distance and social distancing and all those kind of things. And you can't wait to see your mom or your dad or your family members. I just want you to know this. Um, in the spiritual sense, there's been a distance between you and God. And our Heavenly Father cannot wait for you to come home. You're his child and he loves you desperately. And he's waiting for you just to simply say, God, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And he will take you home. He'll, he'll wrap you up in his arms and he's gonna show you how much he loves you if you'll simply trust him in that. So I just wanna say a word of prayer with you right now. So even if you're sitting in a living room or, or uh, an apartment, wherever you might be, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes and I wanna pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for how good you are. I'm so grateful that you love us. I'm grateful today that you sent your son to pay the price for our sins. God, I'm grateful that today, Lord, we... 
We've been invited into your kingdom purposes and plans. So God, we repent for the times that we get so focused on what we want or what we think we need that we miss what you wanna do. So God, I'm asking right now that you would help us see and understand who you are and what you're trying to do in this world. And God, help us remember clearly what you've done in the past, that you provided for us and taken care of us, that, that we should have faith and confidence knowing that you will take care of our tomorrows. So God, help us trust you in a deeper way. God, I pray for those that are watching this right now who don't know you, that have never taken the step to surrender their lives to you. Lord, let today be the day that, that, that faith would rise up in them, that boldness would rise up in them, and they would confess you as Lord. So Lord, have your way with us today. I pray that you would draw those who don't know you. Let today be the day that they make the greatest decision of their lives and surrender their lives to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now here's what I'd like to do. I want to encourage those of you that are watching this right now. Uh, the word of God tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So what it means is this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart, that you really believe that he is not just a teacher, he's not just a rabbi, but he is God. He is God incarnate and God raised him from the dead. He is alive and well today. If you believe that, then you can be saved. It's as simple as confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart. So I wanna say a prayer with you right now and I wanna ask all of you that are watching, no matter where you're watching from, I want you to say this out loud. And for those of you who have never prayed this prayer before, maybe you're coming back to God, you're rededicating your life to God. I want you to mean it in your heart from the core of who you are. And so I want you to say this out loud, but mean it in your heart. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave Jesus your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. Thank you that you invite me to be a part of your purpose and your plan on planet earth. From this day forward, use me for those purposes. I repent of who I was and what I've done. Thank you for loving me in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that with me, you said it with your mouth and believed it in your heart, I want you to know something. You are a new creation today. We would love to help you take the next step in your faith journey. And so the simplest thing for you to do, you can do a couple of things. Number one, you can text the word different to the number 94,000, that's 94,000. If you'll text that word to us, let us know. We're gonna respond back to you. We're gonna get you a Bible in the mail. We're gonna help get you information that's gonna help you grow in your faith. If you'd rather not do that, you can simply, if you're watching on Church Online, you can simply click the tab that says raise hand. Raise your hand, let us know about that. And then you can connect with someone for prayer. You can fill out the connect card right there by hitting connect at the top of your screen. And, and let us know about your decision so we can help you take the next step in your faith journey as well. I want you to know something. I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. So thank you for joining us online today. We're so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to allow us to be a part of it. I pray that God blesses you. And if this, if this message today, if the worship today has been helpful and beneficial for you, please share it with some other people online. Let some other people know that it was, it was helpful for you and it might be helpful for them as well. But I want you to know something, guys. I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. I cannot wait to see you again soon. I promise uh, I'm gonna give you a big hug when I see you. So I love you guys. Have a great day.